All right, everybody, welcome back to We Dig Tennessee. I'm your host, Matt Mingus. Uh, glad to have you guys listening again. Uh, in the last couple episodes, I thought been been very good episodes. A couple new members joining us, letting us know about their companies and, and kind of who they are. And we, we get to have another new member coming on, which I, I think it's awesome. We have three episodes in a row with new members. That shows growth of the chapter, and it's what I love to see. Uh, so with that, it, it's my pleasure to introduce uh, Keith and Jordan from Bloodhound Underground Utility Locating. Guys, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing great, Matt. Thanks for having us. Oh, I'm glad to have you guys on. Uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys joining the chapter. I know y'all kind of joined with us near the end of the year, so I'm hoping kicking off 22, we'll get to see you guys at some more events and, and get you really involved in the chapter. Uh, but I'd like to kick this thing off, guys, if y'all would just kind of give us a little background on yourselves, kind of how you got into the industry, and then, then after that, we'll jump in to learn a little bit about Bloodhound. Sure, great. Appreciate it, Matt. Like I said, uh, my name's Jordan Partlow. I'm uh, Client Relations Manager at uh, Bloodhound. I've been in the underground utility locating world since 1996 is when I first got into this, uh, fresh out of the United States Army got into locating and uh, have been in it in some manner ever since, uh, both on the public side and now on the private locating side, which Keith and I will get into more when we start discussing Bloodhound and what we do here at Bloodhound versus uh, an 811 call that you would make and how it can be beneficial to you and your projects. Keith? Hey, Matt. So thank you uh, for having us on. Um, I do appreciate the invitation. Um, my name is Keith Eamon. I am the market manager for the state of Tennessee. Um, I've been in the industry since 2012, so just about 10 years now. Um, I started on the public side um, for about eight years, and I've been here now in the state of Tennessee in the private side since June of 2020. Um, Prior to the utility locating industry, I was in the telecommunications, um, working for some of the major companies. Um, so I was around the industry for about five years in telecommunications before I came over here. Okay. That's uh, awesome. Uh, well, Keith, uh, Jordan, thank you for your service, man. I heard you mention you're a veteran. I, we really appreciate that. Love our veterans at, at Nuka Mill, Tennessee. Uh, so I guess, guys, if y'all want, give us a little little background on Bloodhound and, and kind of let us know what you do, because I know you guys have a little bit of a, a different focus in the in the locating industry than what people are used to talking about when you're talking about locating an 811. Sure. So uh, Bloodhound's been around since the 90s. Um, we were mostly in the Midwest, meaning Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, a uh, little sprinkle here or there. Um, now we are a nationwide company. Uh, Keith is part of a new project that we put together to start in different uh, markets, hence the market manager title he has. Um, and Tennessee was one of our first markets that we, we went into with this new program. We've seen uh, great success of helping uh, excavators, engineers, environmental companies uh, help prevent damages to any type of utility line that you can think of from a communication line, power lines, water chiller lines at hospitals. Uh, the, 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 the utilities are endless when it comes to the private locating side. Um, and about 60% of all utilities out there are private utilities. Uh, so what does that mean for, for an excavator, an engineer, a surveyor? That means that 
if you put an 811 ticket in, uh, they will come out and locate the public utility lines, but all public utility lines have a line of demarcation, meaning it could stop at a, at a pedestal, it could stop at a transformer, it could stop at a meter, a water shutoff. Um, great example we always give for each people is private utility. If you go to a gas station, one of your major gas stations or any gas station, um, once that power feeds to that meter or their gas line feeds to their the building, everything from that point becomes private. So if they have a car wash attached, the lines feeding that car wash are all private. The lines feeding the actual gas pump that communicate with your credit card to pay and tells the gas pump how to work, the power for that, that's all private. Um, not to count the large gas tanks, obviously, in there that you may need found if you're going to be doing some environmental soil boring of such. So those are real quick examples of what a private utility would be um, in a business setting, but in a residential setting, um, when you call 811, depending on the municipality or who owns the water slash uh, sewer line, they may not mark past the curb. So then it's going to be on you or your excavator to get those lines taken care of to get marked. So those are just a couple of examples of, of what private utility is based on, you know, the utilities and what the public 811 locators will mark and their responsibility. And it's what the utilities tell them is th where they stop their uh, ownership of that utility. Does that make sense to you, Matt? Yeah, it absolutely does. And it's something as an excavator we see all the time. You know, it's uh, especially here around Nashville. I know for the, the local water company, they go up to their meter and that's it. They don't go anything past that. So, you know, we, we see excavators get into trouble with that all the time. They'll hit a, a sewer or a water service and think, well, it wasn't marked. Well, it wasn't their responsibility to mark it. That was private at that point. Yeah, it, it really is remarkable when you get into the private utilities. Um just to realize how much is in the ground that isn't owned by the public utilities. And, you know, we say utilities very loosely. I mean, we have underground storage tanks that we locate. Um, that wouldn't really be classified as a utility, but it's, it's a facility, you know. Um, and it's just amazing the, the, the things that we can find out there. It's, yeah, I wish I'd a bloodhound would have been around a few years back for me. I had a actually personally had a project in Murfreesboro where there was a electric box and where the main power feed came in and whoever located to the main power feed for whatever reason put a couple dots going out one side of the transformer there but not from the other side where one of our hoe rams got into a, a big power line there it was a bit of a shock yeah in places that really scare you matter you know college campuses are largely private util owned utilities uh, hospitals I mean, I'd tell you probably about three quarters of all the lines around the hospital are privately owned lines. You have your main feed in, then water chiller lines, oxygen lines. It's just amazing what becomes private at that point that an excavator doesn't think of necessarily, right? Because they've done the right thing by calling 811, but now it's it's taken that ne next step to to get the other stuff marked out that, that isn't marked out. Um, something else we do, Matt, that we've seen more and more of here during the COVID era is we do concrete scanning inside of a building. So if a 
if a bill say they're putting partitions up because whatever reason COVID is a good example you know put some to separation uh if they're going to drill in that concrete slab we can go in and look for utilities we could look for uh post tension cables and if a post tension cable is hit while they're drilling inside it compromises the entire structure of that that uh, concrete pad which could cost tens of thousands of dollars if it's hit uh, we can go in and find those things within the slabs to help prevent that from happening uh, inside of a building as well. Wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't even know that was a, a technology that was out there, being able to go inside <laughs> and scan concrete and find that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, we, we again, we've seen, we've seen that uptick here lately. And, you know, it's something that we're building, uh, building more of to getting the best machinery to do it because it's a specialty service for sure. And, and and to kind of go along with the concrete scanning, we do offer GPR services, the ground penetrating radar. Um, so with that service, you know, we're out there and we're finding the unknowns. We're finding the things that we don't know are out there. Because um, you could look at a transformer and say, okay, well, there's going to be electric lines coming from A to B, right? Uh, with the GPR, you may not see a transforming area, but you roll over an area and you're like, okay, there's something in the ground here and it's running continuously. Now that allows us to, to trace that out and that may bring us to a hidden transformer, hidden, hidden telephone box that you never knew was there. Um, and we can also find other things, you know, we do use that to find the underground storage tanks as the GPR. Um, I just had the other day, I was asked to go out to a uh, cemetery to find unmarked graves um, using the GPR. Um, so that is a piece of technology that we use and we use religiously. Wow, that's pretty it's, cool. It's not like we're going to go find Jimmy Hoffa, though, so don't anybody hire us <laughs> to find Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> now, now, there, now there's a search for you. That'd be... Right, right. <laughs> the, uh, so, so the GPR is a big tool. What other tools do you guys use to, to find those uh, underground utilities? I know in certain soil conditions, the GPR maybe doesn't penetrate too good. So what, kind of, what other steps do you guys take to, to find those utilities that a contractor may not know are there? That's a great question, Matt. So uh, if we have a sewer with a clean out, we can put a rotter down into the sewer line and hook up our EM locator to that specific uh, line and trace it out that way. If it's plastic with no tracer wire, um, we, we can use our rotter for empty conduits. Obviously, we actually have a push pull camera where we can camera a service to get the quality or the condition of that service. So if someone's replaced or going to buy a home or something, we could actually put the camera down there and do uh, inspection of that line to see the quality of that line as well. And that that also has a sign on the top of it. So we can locate that sign to find out exactly where the line is and the condition that that line is in as well. Um, those are a couple different things we have. Keith, you want to add to that? Um, so we also do and perform what's called a passive sweep on our locates. Um, essentially, again, that is to look for the unknowns. Um, the passive sweep is trying to find any unidentified energized lines or cables. Um, and that could even be a water line. And, you know, when you do get a big enough water line that is creating some type of energy with that flow of water, and we will pick that up doing performing a passive sweep. Um, you know, it's not necessarily us putting a tone using traditional EM, but it is finding unknown energized facilities. Okay. 
That's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, th- that was. I've seen somebody do a sweep like that before, and as again, something I had never really seen. It's pretty interesting what you can find that you weren't expecting when you do that passive sweep. So that's a really, really cool tool that you guys use. Yeah, the one other thing that we have that we, we can have brought down from uh, Indiana is we have a camera truck. So if you had a large project where you were uh, doing some boring jobs or some open trench excavation and the sewers weren't marked out, the sewer laterals, we could actually go into the sewer ladder or the sewer main and run our camera up the sewer main and go up, send a camera up the laterals to mark them, the laterals as well, based on the sawn head of, you know, the sawn in the head of it. So we can, you know, we like to say we could probably do about 10 to 12 residents in a day if you had a large project going down the main road or, you know, in a subdivision or something like that. We could find those sewer lines for you. And if you're doing cross boring, then you would help eliminate cross bores and, Anybody in the industry understands that how dangerous cross bores can be. You're putting in an electric or gas line and, you know, that plumber goes to clear that line because they think it's roots or something and they end up cutting either one of those. It could be, it could, you know, it could really hurt somebody, uh, either the, the plumber or even, you know, the homeowner if the gas went back into the house. Oh yeah, that, a cross bores can be catastrophic, and that's me personally. I'm a natural gas contractor. That's what I do. So oh, we definitely yeah. understand the importance of of solid sewer laterals and even post camera and all that kind of stuff. So yes, that, that's an, yep. another a great tool that you guys have. Um, yes, sir. So I did want to ask a question. I did a little snooping around your website, and I saw that you guys do some subsurface utility engineering work. Um, that's a big topic for us at Nuka right now. So how? Is that a big push for you guys or something you just can't, you just playing with or how, how into subsurface utility engineering do you guys get? So we tend to stick around. Um, I mean, we do all levels of, of the subsurface. Um, almost every job we do is a form of the subsurface engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we can go out, we can inspect the areas for you, provide, you know, um, valve locations, um, you know, just a general visual correct and then we can take that all the way down to um, performing to locate finding those facilities providing you with the depths of the facilities um, to even include then coming back and mapping gps mapping um, everything that we locate um, which is starting to really grow with us and we're we're seeing a lot of more um, interest in it from our customers um, once we collect that data we could then provide a KMZ KML file, so you could open it up in Google Earth and have a full layout of everything that we've marked. Um, or if a customer has, you know, in, in AutoCAD um, in the programming and they have their own CAD drawings, we could provide all that data for them to insert into their own CAD drawings as well. Huh, that's awesome. You got anything you want to add to that, Jordan? No, it, it, like he said, it's really starting that the mapping part of it is really starting to become requested more and more by our customers, especially our engineer or serving folks where we collect the data and pass that off along to them for them to get with the GC or the utility company, whoever needs that. Uh, it's really a good tool that we're using and uh, sub centimeter. Awesome. No, that, that that's awesome. Yeah, that's a, the, the whole sue process is something that really, as, as excavators, should be done before we get on site and start putting buckets in the ground. So, 
at NUCA, we're trying to stress the importance of that to our engineering members and, and onto the, the utilities and, and the people that put those projects together because not only is it a safety concern for us, but it's going to save them money the less conflicts we have to battle as we go along the job. So exactly it's right. awesome to, to see you guys in that part of the industry and hopefully we'll have, as we continue these Sioux conversations and, and private utility locating, and we'll have a good partner in Bloodhound to help us tackle some of that stuff. Absolutely. So, that, Matt, we, we really encourage that with every engineering company we speak to. We talk about that, you know, doing that in the in the very early design phases and, and how much money it can save cost wise. If you don't do it, if you do it in the design versus the excavation phase. Right. I think there was a study done by Purdue University that's five, five, five dollars every one dollar. If you if you spend it in the design process you save five dollars you know based on the excavation process for every one dollar spent so wow yep that's big savings <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah all right well guys i think i've asked all the questions i had for y'all do y'all have anything you want to want to add before we wrap up i'll just say thank you for the time thank you for what you guys do as an industry as well um we we are firm believers in partnerships with folks uh, we think it makes everybody better. It makes everybody safer at the end of the day. Uh, so, yeah, if, if you ever want to reach out to us, uh, we have a 1-800 number, 800-825-9283, or you could reach Keith directly. Go ahead, Keith, and give him your information. So I was going to say, um, you know, if you would like to visit our website at bhug.com, it's B-H-U-G.com, um, Click on the uh, services section to check out all of our services. Otherwise, you could go to the contact section if you're on a laptop. If you hover over the map that we provide, if you hover over the state of Tennessee, it'll provide all my contact info. Um, if you're on your mobile and you go to the contact, you just hit the drop down, select Tennessee, and you'll have all my information there as well. Otherwise, my number is 865-304-9947. And that contact us will give you every state uh across the united states with a with a contact directly awesome that's a pretty cool tool too <laughs> yeah we all talk we all we all know each other we all talk so if you call me and you need a, a locate in michigan i could help you out so that's not that's awesome teamwork baby teamwork makes a dream work yes sir. That's right. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you all for coming on. I think this is going to be a great episode for, for the members. And and so, guys, all the members listening, you can have their info right there. You know where to reach them. Uh, so reach out to Bloodhound, any of those private locating you need, needs, Sue, Sue needs. And it sounds like they can offer quite a bit to our chapter. So we'll look forward to getting to see you guys at some of our events coming up. Uh, hopefully we'll see you out there. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, everybody, for listening and taking the time. Thanks, Matt. All right. Again, guys, I want to say thanks to Bloodhound for coming on, for joining the chapter, for being a part of the podcast. It was uh, another very good, interesting uh, podcast, and I think Bloodhound hopefully is going to have a lot to offer to our chapter. So thank you to to those guys for joining us. Um, guys, real quick before I, I wrap this one up, I just want to make mention of a few things coming up. Uh, guys, over in East Tennessee, be on the lookout for some info from Wendy. Uh, you know, about this time of year, they start putting together their axe throwing and dove hunt and chili cook off and you know all the fun things have become a staple of that chapter so be on the lookout for when the dates and when those are going to be uh then here in middle tennessee uh we've got our crew leader training coming up the end of february 
Uh, we Natalie's working on finalizing some dates for our axe throwing and uh, our tech summit. And then also coming up here for National Nuke is the National Convention, March 2nd to the 5th. I really recommend everybody getting an opportunity to get down to the National Convention and support and learn and and be a part of NUCA and see how much more this organization can offer you. Um, and then also for the state of Tennessee, at the end of March, March 30th to April 1st, is the Tennessee Dams Prevention Summit hosted by Tennessee 811. Uh, and that's usually a very, very good event. Um, a lot of information going on on damage prevention from legislative stuff to uh, utilities to uh, damage investigation to all kinds of stuff. Um, so I hope to see everybody at these events, um, learning, getting some knowledge, keeping our industry safe, working working smarter. Um, looking forward to those things. And before I sign off and wrap this thing up, I want to make a quick mention, guys, for the Nuka Mid-South chapter which is going to be West Tennessee, Mississippi, Arkansas kind of region over that way. Uh, you know, we had one event down in Memphis at Rendezvous Barbecue, which was delicious. A lot of great interest out of the Memphis area. So if you know any contractors, suppliers, or you work in that area, you want to get involved in the movement to get that chapter going, uh, please reach out to George Hamilton, myself, uh, and we'll, uh, Jason Fryer, Carrie Evans, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll direct you guys in the right direction to get, get your contacts in though, in there and, and be kept in the loop. We're working on putting together an event uh, for that area. Still kind of going back and forth on whether we're going to do virtual or in person for the next event. Uh, hopefully be talking some, uh, maybe a little competent person, a little safety, a little, you know, anything that we can talk about in that from the area, trying to get maybe a utility from the Mid-South region to come in and, and have some conversation with us. So uh, be on the lookout for that. So with that, guys, y'all stay safe out there and keep digging Tennessee.